Good morning, traders. Welcome to the show. Let's go ahead. Let's dive into the number one morning show to get you guys ready for the markets. All right, let's dive on in today. We got a great one to talk about. We'll touch a little bit on the ECB having meetings now. Earnings out. Of course, uh, Tesla's on a lot of people's mind, but it's not the only earnings report out there. There's a bunch hitting the tape. Uh, we'll touch uh, United Airlines, American Airlines, Las Vegas Sands, and then we'll touch a little bit on what's going on in Carnival. It looks like we got an offering. Microsoft announcing other job information out there. Ford with some news out. We'll touch with our special guest, Mark Chaikin, of course, founder of Chaikin Analytics. Hit, give us a thumbs on up. Who's ready for today? And of course, stay tuned for the initial jobless claims. Those will hit at 8.30. We'll be ready with the numbers. Let's see what happens today in the market. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Elkanen. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's bring on Dennis Dick. How we doing, my friend? What's going on in this market? We are chopping around, and we have a really mixed market here this morning, where you've that got some stocks trading higher, some stocks trading lower. We got some good news. We got some bad news overnight. Mixed earnings all over the place. So market is just kind of mixed. And I mean, we have been chopping around. If you're watching the S and P this morning, we've been chopping around quite a bit. We've got here, Europe stocks moving around here too. So lots of chop. We'll say it's chop. Mm -hmm. That it is. And uh, we're getting a little bit, you know, it's kind of sideways action in the overnight hours. I would say it held up a little bit. I mean, at least it didn't break down. Um, we did get some earnings. We'll get into some of those earnings. But also uh, affected is oil. And uh, I think we were starting to see a little bit of an pushback you can see it uh yesterday in xom but look at that overnight action there in a stock like exxon mobil and you could take a look at bread yeah. crude prices in september fell 43 cents settled at 106 a barrel uh u.s west texas intermediate crude fell about a dollar 96 settling at 102.26 a barrel um, and definitely you could see it pulling back today. So I'm going to keep my eyes on what happens in the oil out the gates because it was starting to look a little bit better in the last couple of days. You were getting a little bit of a bounce. We'll see if this is kind of a uh, pullback to buy or is it kind of a pullback that comes right back towards into that range that we were in uh, 87s and 81s. We'll see what happens here on stocks like Exxon Mobil. It's overall market direction here, too. I mean, we've been talking about the correlations and oil moving with the market. We were seeing the exact opposite two months ago as oil was going up, stocks were going down because they were worried, you know, that oil prices were obviously squeezing and, you know, commodity prices and inflation. And then as oil came off and, and, and the stocks actually started to help, but now you're seeing them all move together. A stock is a stock is a stock right now. So I think. I tend to think that this could be a, a pullback. You know, we like our 50% retracement. So I would say a 50% retracement of the recent move. So take the low on stock like Chevron, 
132 up to 146. That's a 14-point rally. So you think about a six or seven-point pullback would pitch in that nice tidy year of 140. 143, not quite there, but if you get a little bit lower, I think you do find buyers on the 50% retracement of the recent move. We'll keep watch on oil now. Another area to keep watch today is what goes on in the ECB meeting. I saw mentions in the chat. Yes, uh, we'll see what happens in their interest rate decision. Um, They're determining to opt for either a 50 basis point hike rate as opposed to potentially the 25 basis point hike rate that was stated. Um, One thing to kind of note about the Eurozone is inflation print in June came in at 86 up from 8.1 in May. And Germany producer prices in June were 32.7% higher than a year earlier. It's so interesting that the whole world is so connected now. And you think if you went back 20 years ago, it wasn't like this. You know, everybody's having their own thing. There's a recession in this country. I mean, we're in a global economy now. It's all connected. It's so interesting that they're running in the eights and, you know, U.S. 9.1 and Canada. I mean, it's all just interconnected and we all get inflation. We don't have inflation like this for 40 years and then every country seems to get it all together. So just shows how much we are interconnected. But. Let's jump into individual stock stories, Mitch, because obviously the big report from last night was Tesla. It's holding up well and doing its job, at least from a, a trading perspective here, where the rest of the market has had some other bad news uh, not helping. But let's jump into Tesla earnings here, Mitch. What'd you think? All right, let's do it. Let's touch those numbers. I'll give you guys the numbers. I'll put up the chart here. Sure. And we'll see. It didn't get to those uh, expected zones that we kind of put out there. Uh, just want to kind of state that. Definitely Way held. under the expected move. And this yeah. is typical. I mean, you know, uh, you don't, and this just goes to show you, it's tough to make money buying options. I mean, you can buy, you could go in here, 742, buy, you know, like the 740 calls, 20, 25 bucks, <clears throat> get the direction right and still not make money. So mm-hmm. in the long run, you know, we've taught, had Nick Shaheen on the show, obviously CC. In the long run, people make more money selling options than they do buying options. And this is the reason. So those expected moves. Sometimes you get some crazy move and the option writers will get hurt. But it seems like more often than not, the option writers are usually making money. Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll delete those areas so we don't pay attention to them. Now the EPS coming in here at... $2.27, beating the $1.91 estimate. Sales at $16.93 billion, missing the $17.39 billion estimate. Tesla says that at the end of quarter two, they converted approximately 75% of our Bitcoin purchases into fiat currency. Conversions in the Q2 added $936 million of cash to our balance sheet. Uh, second quarter deliveries were at 254,695, up 27% year over year. A couple interesting things and obviously repercussions for lots of different, and especially Bitcoin. I mean, that was the one thing when they sold you know, the 75% of their Bitcoin, you saw Bitcoin just tank right on that news. Um, obviously, you know, it's not like a significant amount of Bitcoin itself. Just the fact that Musk selling 75% loses that vote of confidence to a certain extent. He did try to defend that sale in the conference call, but it didn't matter. Now you can see Bitcoin, if you want looking at it, trading down significantly. But right on that, it, it tanked on. He did say he didn't sell any of his doge. And I noticed that 
Uh, Doge was actually trading higher on that, but you know, Doge five cents, six cents. I mean, the story's kind of over there. With the Bitcoin, though, um, the story was just starting to get hot. It was just starting to look like you know it was coming up here, climbing the wall of uh, climbing the wall of worry, which I have been climbing here for the last six, seven trading sessions. So now you get a little flush. I think I'm going again back to 50% retracement of moves. You got a nice bottom, you know, in the Bitcoin, that 19,000 area, if you're just doing the technicals. And then we were thinking, you know, you get up there, what, what was the higher on 24? So 5,000 point move. Let's knock 2,500 mm-hmm. off that. You probably find buyers 21, 22. You probably do find buyers here. So um, long run, I'm still not a crypto fan, but short run here, Bitcoin was looking a little bit healthier. Obviously, we're going to get lots of earnings. NASDAQ does in does dictate moves in Bitcoin as well here now because it's all interconnected. So as we get the big guns reporting next week, that's probably going to give us more indication on where Bitcoin is going. But I'm still thinking about little 50% retracements. Well, just mentioned, and it was mentioned by Elon, he didn't sell the Doge, Dennis. He didn't sell the Doge. No, I know. He didn't sell the <laughs> Doge, which is good, but... We don't the, care about Doge. Yeah, I don't so, think anybody does. It, it did yeah. get a little bit of a spike, but it was interesting comment. It was like, well, you sold the Bitcoin, but didn't sell the Doge? Yeah. Hey, um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Let's get back to the Tesla chart. What could we look at today? Where levels are important for me is a close continuing above 760. You keep rejecting up here around the resistance. Um, you can maybe put it up there even to 775. Um, if we definitely clear this kind of bearish pattern on the chart, it's going to look a lot better. What I would not want to see is a move back to 700 or 725 today, because that can definitely give it another resistance and it could come right back to support. I mean, let's look at the after hours chart from last night, Mitch, and just mm-hmm. break down the action because you had a chop fest here. Yep. Um, you, you had a serious chop fest here where the stock rallied significantly on the initial number. And then you had people and obviously analysts saying, well, look, you know, the cash flow is negative uh, to, to you know, the people in the chat talking about that, too. If you get rid of the Bitcoin sale, I know Gordon Johnson was saying the same thing as well. And the stock started selling off, I believe, maybe as, you know, people were analyzing that headline was flying around on my Twitter feed. And then it just started rallying again and coming back up. And now we've come all the way back up to a certain extent. We were getting up near 770. We have in the pre-market hit over 770 again here. So they kind of want to buy this number. Um, it, it's hard to argue with that pricing action because it came down, tested. The close actually went negative for a brief moment, and then it came right back up. So I, I, I'm torn here. I, 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 the negative cash flow thing aside, the technicals, the bar wasn't you know wasn't it wasn't like low for a lot of other companies tesla bar is always somewhat higher and the earnings were fine so i don't know what to think i'm kind of just you know and the market doesn't know what to think too when it's chopping around like this after hours you know you go all the way up 30 points and you give it all back then you climb back up so i think the market's still trying to figure out too i think the word of the day for tesla which is the word of the day for this market is going to be chop and i think you're going to see a lot of chop here too i don't think you're just racing higher here yeah, I do agree that Bitcoin story definitely uh, kind of changed around the outlook on the cash flow, but it, it just shows me that, and you are right about those news algos, because at least on the release, it pushed it up there to 778. Another They just see here. the number, man. They read the headline number, no details. They're reading the headline number and they're trading off of it. And yeah, then devil's in the details, it. you kind of look through and then you get, you know, institutional money voting with their dollars you have some retail money voting with their dollars because it's a widely followed retail stock 
But those initial algos are often mistaken because they're literally just reading the headline number. So they're, it's not sitting there and analyzing all the cash flows and all that. They're looking, beep, beep, let's go. And they buy. And I mean, they must make money because they keep running. So they must, you know, even for the ones that they overshoot on, they must be making it up on so many other ones that they actually have it right, that it's still making money because the news algo is just aggressive. I mean, it always, you know, the move happens before you actually see the headline. Like it's like split second. The headline breaks and the move has happened. They have it's, it's impressive programs to be able to pick out that information and then run with it. But I mean, it's going to keep getting smarter. They're going to start getting you know better at running these things too. But definitely was an overshoot on the headline number and then the subsequent tank. But we've climbed back up. And you know what's surprising is that you know Tesla trading up twenty bucks, but a lot of tech stocks not following suit here. Um, you know, we've got some other bad news in other sectors which aren't helping the market overall, but. You've got a lot of tech stocks trading in the red here, and I find that interesting. I know Apple's just turned green, but you know there's been a lot of tech stocks trading in the red. I mean, Microsoft had some news as well, so that's not helping it. But it's interesting. And, you know, if you were told me Tesla was going to trade up 20, 30 bucks in the report, I would think the market would be higher. That's not the case this morning. No, not the case at all. We'll see what happens there. Right now, we're at 394.28. Yeah, 394.28. We'll see if we get above the 395 level. Let's go towards uh, one more earning. Let's sneak one more in here. Let's get to United Holdings here. So uh, our first airline to report, we also got American Airlines. We'll touch that right after this. Yeah. Uh, American Airlines holding here, quarter, uh, second quarter EPS missing here at $1.43, missing the $1.94 estimate. Sales were at $12.11 billion, missing the 12 17 billion estimate. Uh, United Airlines did turn profitable in Q2, but missing analyst expectations here. So jumping in, looking at United Airlines, getting hit pretty hard here in the pre-market. I think about the 50% retracement of this move as well. 33, up to 41. So you got basically an eight-point move. Let's knock four bucks off that to bring you in that 37 area. So that's a logical point for buyers to start to step in, 37 to 38. Um, you are seeing in the pre-market, they're stepping in ahead of that. They've been kind of sold in this whole 38 and a half area all morning. So mm -hmm. I think as you get down in here, you do find buyers on this dip. Maybe there's some shorts that got squeezed last week. And they're like, oh, thank goodness I'm getting some of my money back. It's always, you know, the pain trade. You got to be following along here. Um, with that being said, it's such a tough industry to just come on and go bullish on because obviously, you know, we've talked to airlines and cruise lines and put them all together. Um, you've got labor costs going up on them, fuel costs been going up on them. Demand has been okay, but you've been in this environment where everybody's been doing their thing. Is demand going forward going to be as strong? I'm not sure. And the prices of tickets have been crazy too. So I'm not sure that demand is going to be there going forward. And that's why I'm worried about the airlines and the cruise lines. And maybe we should just touch on, you know, the cruise lines here too, would kind of encompass all this together because you get the offering from CCL last night. And this is what happens. These, you know, these companies are still burning cash right now. They need money. Carnival Cruise Lines need money. They get the rally in the stock. So literally in four trading sessions from 870 up to 11 bucks. And what do they do? They're like, now is the time to raise some capital. We got the share price higher. Let's shove it down our investors' throats, which is exactly what they do. Um, and they have to. I mean, they don't have any choice. So they wait for their stocks to rally because they need they need cash. And then they do the secondary offering, a big secondary offering last night. It is priced at $9.95. Stock is trading significantly below the prices. So anybody even participating in the secondary is now losing money as well. Stock's down to $9.62, giving back that impressive, 
four-day move, it's giving back two-thirds of it just from this offering. So it's tough. Like how many, you know, the airlines now, maybe they're making money. Maybe they're not going to have offerings. But, you know, going forward, I don't know if that's the case. So it's hard to invest in industries that, and especially the cruise lines that are burning cash because this is what happens. Well, I mean, we already touched it, uh, a lot of the airlines. So let's just cover American Airlines numbers too right here. Uh, you've seen them come down a little bit also. Their numbers were a little bit better here. Let me kind of get it in a scrolling one. So American Airlines here, uh, EPS missing here the estimate, but by one cent EPS at 76 cents missing the 77 cent estimate. Sales beat though at 13.42 billion beating the 13.41 billion estimate. American Airlines Group expects Q3 sales up 10 to 12% compared to 2019 levels. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these dips on these airlines get bought. Again, think about those 50% retracements of those moves, 12 mm -hmm. to 15, buck and a half off gives you 13.70, 13.80, but it's already starting to find buyers here as well. I think there's some shorts that are getting squeezed here. I think um you know there's obviously some people who maybe think they missed the boat think this is going to be an opportunity so i wouldn't be surprised if these dips in the airlines get bought even in the cruise lines maybe it happens um just because sentiment towards this overall market has kind of turned and there's a lot of money managers saying oh crap i've missed the bottom and now all of a sudden they're going to be scrambling on all pullbacks so i do think we're in the buy the dip market i just think there might be better sectors to buy the dip in so I'm still personally staying away from the airlines and the cruise lines because I think there's a lot of trouble ahead, choppy waters for those cruise lines. As we said, very disappointing, you know, to shareholders that, you know, they have this big run and boom, they've got to do the offering right away. But it makes sense. I mean, it's not like the company, the company needs money. So then you think, is Norwegian going to do the same thing? Is RCL going to do the same thing? They've had rallies, obviously, selling off significantly because Carnival does the offering. They're like, oh, crap, these ones might do the same thing. And they might. But. It's just tough to go in this industry and say this is the big turnaround story because there's a lot of things working against these companies. Something we'll definitely keep on watch. Let's go towards Mark Chaikin, our special guest today. Let's bring him on here, the founder of Chaikin Analytics. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you, Mitch. And what's going on this morning? Well, of course, uh, everybody had their eye on that Tesla report. What did you get out of that report, Mark? Uh, lower profit margins, and you can blame it on uh, the supply chain issues and inflation, but that's something that the stock market's looking at basically every earnings report. And uh, I think what a Jim Cramer used to say, never trade until the CFO speaks. So that's huh. that's the headline uh, you know, algos wait, not waiting. But, the algos don't wait for the C, for the CFO no. to speak. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no. But um, I, I think Tesla is okay. It's always a question of valuation, and they did sell that nine hundred and seventy-five yeah. million worth of Bitcoin. So I think it's a mixed report. Um, Tesla's more or less trading like the other techs, slightly better. We had a bearish rating on the power gauge about two weeks ago. So. Um, I think the, the profit margin picture is going to get more attention. Now, uh, we just got news breaking out of here about the ECB here, uh, central banks uh, raising by 50 basis points. How do you think this affects the markets today, Mark? Uh, well, the futures are spiking uh, big time higher. Big time. Um, I, I think it's all about earnings. These um, central bank hikes are 
really looking at old news and trying to figure out where the puck is going to get put this back up to Canada uh, with Dennis. So I, I think it's all about earnings and profit margins yeah. and that the, um, the central bank moves are really just background noise. I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like sentiment has turned here the last week and a half. We're starting to see a lot of the beaten down names really get bought. You're starting to see the overall market turn. And you're starting to look at what hasn't gone yet. So you can kind of feel this. But, you know, I asked the guest yesterday, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Is this just a bull trap? Are we like getting suckered in here again where, you know, there's a lot of bad news flow and there definitely is some bad news flow to come? I mean, Apple has, you know, obviously, you know, the Bloomberg article saying they're, you know, potentially going to cut some jobs. Microsoft last night, um, there was an article just coming out that's saying they're going to slow hiring. I mean, these aren't bullish signals, but is there enough damage in the markets that the stocks can go higher anyways? Well, they can go higher to 4,000, which isn't that far away from here. It's only here. 50 points Remember, away. You're talking about a 10% rally from 36.36 to 4,000. That's just typical bear market rallies. Bear market rallies, 8 to 12%. So I guess they could go above 4,000. But I think that's pretty strong resistance. I, I don't know if we're going to break the 3,600 level now, but I think we're going to break it sometime between now and October. But you're right, the, the sentiment has been at the bottom of the page for three months now. That Merrill Lynch, uh, Michael Hartnett um, indicator has been stuck at zero. And you've got bearishness everywhere. And yes. a lot of people are calling for... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. They're, they're doing the hedge dance, which I'm doing a little bit as well, which is that based on history, they're going to be higher a year from now. Well, with the kind of volatility we've seen in the last three years, that doesn't tell you much that you can take to the bank. So, And I'm the same way. I think from whatever bottom we make, we're going to rally 40 to 50% into 2023, assuming that the market bottoms out six months before a recession. Uh, that sort of tells you what uh, 
to look for, but where do we make the low? Is it 3,400? Is it 3,000? You can make a strong case if earnings continue to dip um, and estimates come down that you put a average 14.6 multiple on, let's call it 210 bucks in the S&P and you get to 3,000. So, yeah, that's a scary number. Yeah, and, and it could happen. I'm mm-hmm. not predicting that it will, but I think this is a trader's market. The active managers have moved to the sidelines. Yeah. And it's all about flows, whether it's vol control or CTA flows. And by the way, CTAs, commodity trading advisors, have gone from short the futures around the world to mildly long the futures. And that created some of the buying we saw last Friday on options expiration and then into early this week. But basically, I think this is just passive strategies, whether it's vol control or CTA flows and underinvested investors who are coming in. But I don't think these are active managers making big bets on stocks turning around yet. What's it going to take for those active managers to come in and we get the sustained rally? Like, what is it going to take? Just inflation coming in? Like, what, what's the signal for those active managers to say, let's go? A flush. And every bear market that I've witnessed and going back before 1966 has had some sort of flush. And we haven't had that now. Now, maybe we don't get it. You know, it, maybe this time is different. That phrase has never worked for me in the stock market. It's always the same. People panic and you get a flush. But if you look at the net inflows into U.S. equity funds, it's something like $150 billion this year. So money is still coming into U.S. equity funds. And so traditionally, when money is coming out of equity funds, you have the potential for a, a washout kind of bottom and a more sustainable rally. Now, we've been watching some growth stocks lately, and specifically, I'll go to point to ARKK. Um, I gave a shout out to my man, Dennis. He's been uh, kind of looking at the bottom might be placed in. What do you feel about growth stocks and specifically ARKK here? Well, if you look at bear market rallies over history, the weakest performing stocks tend to rally much higher and faster than the market. So if the S&P is up 10%, 10%, which we'll probably get to that 4,000 level shortly, uh, then you would expect growth stocks to be up 20 to 30%, and they are. But if you look at the, I think the chart you show me of ARC is very misleading. But let's give it a one-year chart, please. Yeah. And so it's rallied 50% off the low, but it's down 70% from the high still. So I, I can't tell you where it's going to go. I just think that stocks like uh, or ETFs like ARC are for trading. And, okay. you know, can you establish a long-term position here? Sure, if you're willing to take some pain. I'd rather go for the individual names. Uh, one I mentioned last week, uh, two weeks ago was CRISPR. It's the only stock in the ARC funds with a bullish rating. And look what it's done. It's, it's established a cont- uh, continuing pattern of higher highs and higher lows. I love names like that where you've got a bullish power gauge rating, strong check and money flow, and you know a really nice chart pattern, and still plenty of room to the upside. Yep. I mean, 
biotechs altogether, especially yep. some of the smaller biotechs, have had a hell of a rally here. I mean, bring up the XBI and hard bottom put in May, um, obviously tested in June. It held, and we've been straight up for basically a month from the XBI from 62 to 84. It's been a nice run here. And I mean, putting it in perspective, if we go with the chart out farther, you know, it's really been beat up. Similar to ARC, XBI was $174 back when they were buying everything in February of 2021. And then you saw the 60, you know, 5% drawdown in an ETF, which is, you know, significant. So you get a snapback rally here, but it's been a good month for biotech. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't chase them, but I think on pullbacks, you should be looking at <clears throat> the quality biotech names, not necessarily the penny stock names. I also think natural gas is very viable. Uh, the natural gas stocks are down this morning on um, yeah. the opening up of the uh, Nord stream pipeline but for how long you know how long is uh, that going to stay open as putin start playing games again if you believe as say goldman sachs does that natural gas is going to skyrocket in the winter when you do have a big problem in europe um you want to be buying these names um stocks like eqt um oxy for a whole series of reasons because yeah. of buffett yeah. And the leverage play is Southwest Energy SWN. So I, I think this is an area that you want to uh, be buying the dips in. And you're going to get a little dip in here today. Interesting, but, interesting names there. Um, and I, I myself am watching that situation with natural gas, um, especially winter coming too, right? right. Um, that's when really the pressure is going to get put on because the furnaces have to come on. Um, so is this kind of also maybe a seasonality pullback that we could potentially have had gotten in natural gas? I don't think so. Uh, although normally you would, I think you're just looking at the price of oil come way down, the price of natural gas come way down off those spike peaks, you know, as all commodities peaked and we'll see where it goes. Uh, there's a, if, if someone doesn't want to trade the individual stocks, the first trust natural gas EC, uh, FCG is a really good way to participate. First trust um, has some good stock picking algorithms, but you're buying a big basket of natural gas stocks, including, you know, the three that we just talked about, but they, they have about 40 names in there. And that's, the non-stock pickers way to play it. I'd rather go with uh, EQT, Oxy, and SWN. However. More fun that way, Mark, to pick the stocks. Yeah. I mean, people say, you know, why don't you just buy all ETFs, you know, and your long-term kind of have to worry about it. It's not fun. I mean, it's more fun to go the individual stocks. When, um, when was investing ever fun? <laughs> <laughs> not in 2022. It hasn't <laughs> been fun in 2022. We'll give you that. But, I, you know, I do think that my um, strategy is is the same as it's been now for uh, three months. That um, sell the rallies, focus on energy, and now biotech, which has really come, as you say, a long way in a month, and weed out some of these um, stocks with high price to sales ratios from your portfolio on these rallies. I mean, it's painful to sell a stock on a rally where you've got a 50% loss, but it's a heck of a lot better than watching it go back down to the low and needing another 50% gain to get back to where you were a month ago. For sure. Excellent. Um, another area I'd ask about is solar stocks. We've been seeing a lot of kind of news flow in, in kind of solar with, of course, the Biden administration. 
How do you feel about solar? What does the power gauge have on solar stocks? Well, let's look at sedge and end phase and for sure. um, solar that really um, the charts are actually pretty good. Enphase has a neutral rating, but it, it's holding uh, the gains and sort of establishing a triple top at 220. Uh, Solar Edge is similarly positioned. So they, they all look a bit the same. Uh, but you, I think you have to be a believer in some sort of government stimulation. First, Solar has a bearish rating. That, that really is the weak link. That's in a downtrend, hasn't broken it. So, and, and that concerns me about the whole group because that was the leader. But now you've got Solar Edge and Enphase. Yeah. Also, Sunrun is not looking great. That's got a bearish rating. I, I would avoid this group for now. I want to see the leaders like Sunrun and First Solar, you know, the people who are out there selling the product. It goes to show you, you know, and, and if you look at First Solar, if you would invest in First Solar in 2017 or 2018, you're basically flat. Yeah. You would have picked up ENPH in 2017. The stock was a dollar. That's $218. Unbelievable, you know, how these, you know, some somebody who, and, and Solar Edge for that matter too, was $18. These solar companies weren't even on anybody's radar back in 2017, 2018. And they became the leaders in, in the sector, which is, you know, First Solar was always the leader. So, it's, it's unbelievable how strong those stocks have been. Yeah, and, you know, who's to say that at, at the current levels they're attractive? I'm, I'm just looking at the charts. But you're still talking about price to sales on um, end phase of uh, 20X and a PE of 177. So know, it's it a big, scares me. Yeah, it's a big leap of faith to buy a $220 stock that's going to earn three $3.50 yep. and think that you're making an investment. Yeah. True to notice. Uh, is there anything that we should be watching? Maybe the power gauge is kind of leading the way. Is there any signs towards the upside in the power gauge? Uh, it's biotech. Biotech? Yep. Um, not much else other than the defensives like um, household goods and, um, you know, the typical defensive stocks. Some of the drug stocks look pricey to me and some of the healthcare stocks look pricey. Didn't like the reaction and what was Anthem. To their earnings, um, maybe inflation is catching up with the healthcare industry. So I'm focusing on biotech now. Typically, pharmaceuticals uh, are a safe haven, uh, but maybe Bristol Myers, something like that, uh, where you get a you get a smattering of um, the old cell gene and stem cell therapy in a big pharma company. So I think Bristol is my favorite of the big farmers, but the power gauge is, is saying, stay cautious. All right. Well, thank you. Like always, Mark Chaikin, founder of Chaikin Analytics. Definitely check him out. I did include his Twitter in the description. Give him a follow. Appreciate yep. it, Mark. Thanks guys. We'll see you Thanks, next Mark. week. All right, let's go ahead. Let's continue here. Let's get into the other earnings. We'll get out of our special guests. We are going to get into Las Vegas sands now. Let's yeah. dive on in there and take a look. We've had, just before we jump into that, we should just say, you know, S&P futures were chopping around a lot during Mark's interview. <laughs> They're obviously ECB decision here. You can see as a driver here. Um, and obviously Europe has come up substantially since then. So we had the big pop, we dropped, and now we're coming back. 
really, really chopping around here on the S&P. So again, I think that's going to be the story of the day. I think it's going to be chop. It's really the story of the year has been chopping, fading moves, not chasing. That's the main thing that I'm trying to uh, keep telling everyone on this show is I feel like when you're chasing moves in this 2022, you've been losing money. So I know a lot of people feel they've missed the move here now. I mean, I've missed it to a certain extent, although I did start buying stocks in the last dip. So I got a lot more exposure than I had, but I'd still like more exposure when we're moving up. But, you know, putting it in perspective, Mark's right. It's 4,000 is going to be a big leap. We're only 40 points away from there. So I think if you're coming and buying stocks now, I feel like you're chasing. So if you missed it, I think you almost got to wait for the next big news flow. We do have earnings season coming. There is going to be some bad news in that earnings season. We've already started to see some bad news last night with the airlines reporting not so great earnings. Um, but the mega caps are going to really dictate. Tesla was okay. That's why the stock has been, it's since earnings season where if you're doing okay, the market will give you a pass. But there's going to be some stocks that don't do okay. So I don't think there's any reason to say, oh my goodness, we're going back to all-time highs. I've got to chase it at this point in time. Like we've had a big move. Five trading sessions ago, SPY was 371. We rallied. 250 S&P points here in five trading sessions. That's a 7% move in five days. You're buying up here. It's definitely the definition of chasing. Yeah, I, I have that shadow fill, right? It goes all the way up until uh, the pricing goes towards 401.53. And so I could see it going also into that 400 range in the SPY. Um, but how much more do we have on the rally? We'll see. Uh, let's go to that Las Vegas Sands. Let's take a look at that report. Um, casino definitely getting off the ground here. Uh, let's go longer term so you guys can see that. Here's the daily chart. Uh, EPS here coming in at 34 cents, a loss of 34 cents, missing the loss of 27 cent estimate. Sales at 1.5 billion, beating the 976.1 million estimate. Las Vegas Sands, let's take a look at the 15 minute. We've We've rallied up to a major resistance point here. We're not quite there, but 40 bucks is huge on this stock. It's been the resistance point. You can just go out the old Harlan Pine, go out to the weeklies, look at what number jumps out at you, and it is $40. One thing to consider is it's, they're getting squeezed here too. I'm sure labor costs you know, are challenging there. I just don't know if I want to go into the gaming industry. It's better than the cruise lines and the airlines, but I'm still not sure that I want to be investing there yet. I don't want to be early on this. I think there will be a time when Wynn and Las Vegas Sands are going to be buys. And maybe that time is now. Maybe if you get a pullback here. But we've rallied so much in, again, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight days. Eight days ago, stock was $30. Now it's going to be approaching $40. you are talking about stocks that moved up 25% here in six trading sessions. Yeah. It's just a market that we're still overall in a bear market. I don't chase stocks up 25% in six trading sessions. So I think the smarter money is probably taking profits into this rally. Yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, just if you're, you know, watching this one, I would say just make sure that it holds the trend. It needs to continue on that linear path through 40. If it does And crack I mean, it's out. your time frames too here. So like this trend yeah. you're showing is- It's a 15 decade. minute. So, I mean, you can, this is the one thing about trend analysis. You got to know your time frames too. If you go out to the monthly, this thing's in a clear downtrend. So, yeah, mm -hmm. if you go out to, you know, yearly charts here, and I, I, what chart are you showing there, actually? Mitch? It's a 15 know. minute. Oh, gosh. That's what I was like. I'm looking at that. I'm like, that isn't a monthly chart. I can't. So, anyways, no, we're getting, chart. Joel's charts are coming back next week. These are a little bit hard to read because the font's small. So, in my eyes, I'm like trying to squint to see the numbers there. 
So you can I, make the screen full screen. So this is the recent trend. So you're looking at a very recent trend. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm personally just talking on about my the, own the trend that you talked about from bouncing off the bottom there. Yeah. The yeah. And if you're tr if you're a day trader, maybe you're using these 15 minute charts. I never yeah. even bring that chart up. So, you know, so if you want to know my technical analysis, the first chart I look at always is the 90 day. Because I want to know is the stock in an overall downtrend or an overall uptrend. That's pretty much what I lean on. I would say from my trading perspective, I don't even really stray that much. But sometimes I want a longer perspective I'll look out. I never look to a 15-minute chart. I never look to tick charts because it's all noise. I want to know where the big money is overall. Like in these smaller time frames, these shorter time frames, I feel like it's tough. So you see an uptrend in that time frame on Las Vegas Sands completely deceiving because this stock has been absolutely killed. So, I mean, this stock is in a clear downtrend overall. So to going out that 15 minute can totally make you think, oh, this stock's just been a fabulous stock. And no, it's not the case. The stock has been a disaster. So, and the sector has been a disaster too. The gaming stocks the last five years just straight down. Yeah, so, the way that I would compare that is just always understand that the stock has a primary trend, right? And it has secondary trends. And there to my go. eyes, this is a secondary trend. There you go. And I so don't even care about the secondary trends. I only care about the primary trend. Primary. So, That's how technicals it, would refer to that. Yeah. And I'm not a technical analyst. You know, we bring on Joel Alconnor for our technicals. We know I'm based on relationships, but my technicals, I always say I teach my technicals. I can teach them to you in the next 30 seconds. Support, resistance, and trends. I stick with the 90 day. I don't worry about secondary trends or third, third trends, fourth trends, fifth trends. Worry about the primary trend. That's what I care about. The primary trend is still clearly down. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get out of Las Vegas Sands and get to AT&T. Well, uh, Joel favorite. Let's, let's take a look at their earnings here. EPS coming in at 65 cents, beating the 61 cent estimate. Sales beating also 29.64 billion, beating the 29.56 billion estimate. Guidance was increasing our mobility service revenue guidance 4.5 to 5% growth, but they did decrease the full year free cash flow guidance to 14 billion range uh, to reflect heavy investment in growth and working capital impacts. I'm not a fan of AT&T. I haven't been a fan of AT&T for the better part of five years here now. I feel like cord cutting is getting them. Some of their businesses are just dying businesses like DirecTV. I'm just not a fan whatsoever of AT&T. I know Joel has bought it, but it's been a value trap the whole time. I mean, you can jump in and say, oh, 5.6% dividend, fantastic. Well, we're in an 8 9% environment of inflation, so you're losing right there. And then secondly, I just don't see the growth here. So I don't see any reason to own AT&T. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We'll see what happens on AT&T. Of course, um, majority of people, I think, just hold AT&T for the dividend. Um, but hey, who knows what happens in AT&T. Let's get out of our earnings talk. Uh, we already touched Carnival, so we can go into Microsoft here. Let's go to the softy. Um, they're reporting here that they're uh, cutting some job openings, including Azuri Cloud Business. 
and the security software unit as the economy continues to weaken. That was a report not from Microsoft. That was a report from, um, obviously, an, another source. So we don't know how much truth is to that. Same thing with the Apple, you know, potential job cuts there reported from Bloomberg last week, not coming directly from the company. We're going to find out more next week, but just wonder sometimes they don't leak this stuff. Microsoft got hit on this. So last night, Microsoft got hit down two bucks on this headline. They've shrugged it off here now. Obviously, S&P's come back substantially. We're making new highs on the move. You just can't start up this short-term bull market here right now that we definitely are in. And if you're looking at, I just said, worry about the primary trend. But I mean, we've come in the primary trend to start to turn here. It looks like we're marching to 4,000 on the S&P. Every time you know we dip here a bit, buyers just come and seem to emerge here. So with Microsoft... It's come back up a little bit here. But again, what's going to dictate this is earnings. I believe it's next week. I don't have the date in front of me yet. I haven't looked at next week's earnings specifically. But I just know from history, it's coming. So Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, they're coming, man. So you know, to Meta, they're coming. So we're going to get into the heart of earnings season. That's going to dictate the next big move. Well, uh, we're getting some more kind of news here. Amazon making a purchase here. Let's take a look at Amazon's chart, see how it's reacting on it. You what guys can see that. Uh, it's for one medical for about $3.9 billion. Um, I don't know too much about is one that medical. A trade? Like that is... It's a healthcare provider. The um, private, though? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look into the details. It literally just I've hit never the heard tape. Of that so, um, I got to do a little bit more research. It just hit there. Um, they're buying it for $18 a share. Um, so let me look up. I don't even know the ticker for one medical here. Right away, I think. So I just got this news from you. Right away, I'm thinking, oh, what's WBA and CBS doing? And they're getting hammered. Okay. There so you go. right away, you think, what are the repercussions? Again, knowing your relationships is how you make money on Boom. this stuff. I would have not been doing a live radio show and watching my headlines. I might have been able to make some money on that. But um, WBA down 2.77% here now. CBS, same story here, getting hit on this down 2.75%. So obviously don't want Amazon coming into your business. And if they're buying um, a, a business like that, makes you automatically think that these other ones are going to get hit on that. I mean, you can go to Rite Aid too, but does anybody really trade Rite Aid? So I automatically think <laughs> CBS and WBA, they're getting hit on it. So it's 1M I have as the company here. Oh, so it does trade. Yeah. Okay. And, and 1M is halted right now. Yeah, it's halted. So O-N-E-M. I've never traded that stock before. It's never either. Um, I, I just saw it literally just go in. I just wanted to bring it to you guys. I haven't what was the price? been able to do. Uh, I'll tell you right now. Just give me one second here. It was at $18 a share. Yeah. So, and this is cash deal, I assume? Uh, at least from right now. I don't, I, yeah, it I looks like cash look a little deal. Bit. Bids yeah, are forming like the cash. book. I can see the book. And even when it's halted, the book builds. 17 $17.35, $17. This thing's going to open up to 17 candle. So congratulations to O-N-E-M shareholders. I don't know if we have any of them, but if you are out there, <laughs> congratulations. Like I said, I don't even think I've ever traded this stock before. Um, wow, stock has really been in a downtrend from $50 back in 2021 down to 10 bucks. So again, uh, um, it looks like a lot of people are still going to lose money on this at 17 or $18, but um, nice premium there from where it got taken out. And this is not good news for CBS or WBA, and they're getting hit on this. All right, let's go towards, um, let's get out of the Amazon talk. I did want to get into Ford. Let's talk about Ford. A lot of news kind of hitting. Look at that yeah. spike in pre-market. Uh, Ford is planning to slash as many as 8,000 jobs. This is coming from a Bloomberg report uh, to boost investments in electric vehicle manufacturing. 
Ford also said Thursday that it secured 100% of its battery supplies needed to deliver electric vehicles at the rate of 600,000 per year by the end of year 2023. And that came from CNBC. Um, Ford, nice spike. What do you think, Ford EV? Well, they're pushing for EV, and eventually pushing. this is going to be a game changer for them. You know, it's a reason I was invested in Ford back in 2020 and 2021. The reason I sold my Ford stock is that I feel like we're going to recession. I don't know who the hell's buying $95,000 trucks, at least in Canada. That's what the F-150 was going for. So I'm like, I'm, you know, it's the only reason I've sold. But I still think there's an EV story here, and I still think they're going to be a buy at some point in time. I still have a small position in General Motors. I picked it up to $42. I turned around and sold the majority of it, basically scratch. And then I kept a little bit, of, a very small, like a one-tenth the normal size of a position for me. And I should have sold it all and just, you know, rebought, obviously. But I think I'd be potentially on pullbacks getting interested somewhat in Ford and GM because this EV story is going to get hot with them and the push for EV. Again, I don't want to chase. We just had a big move in Ford. We got to give a perspective. You know, a week and a half ago, we're 10 bucks. Now we're 13. So I'm not chasing in bear markets. But with that being said, I think the bottom's in in this stock too. I think the bottom's in an ARKK. I think the bottom's in in a lot of stocks and I'm a buyer of pullbacks. So um, you get pullbacks, I'm interested. All right. I, I, I'm seeing more and more complaints. I don't know why you guys complain about moving average so much, but I will take it off there. Now you got the... Oh, you can you have it on here. there. It's all good. I don't know. People, some people like the moving average, so I'm not worrying about that. Here There's you always, go. It's not on Here's there the now. one thing. You can't please everyone, Mitch. This is what I've that's realized true. in, that's in my true. eight years of doing this show. There is uh, if Whatever you say, it, it makes somebody happy and it pisses somebody else off. It's it's when you're given an opinion <laughs> on a stock, there's always somebody long and somebody not long or somebody always. short. Always. So if you're always trying to please everyone, you're never going to be happy. So you try to please the majority of people. Some people like the moving averages. I, I'm not a fan, but it doesn't matter. If it works for you and you like your moving averages, I wouldn't take it off the charts. Some people like your charts, Mitch. So try not to take offense from what people are saying. They're just giving their opinions. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, it's the story of my life, trying to make everybody happy. Yeah, we're uh, never going to be able to do it. So I try to, and even in my own personal life, and what you end up doing is just overextending yourself and pissing everyone off. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's best. talk about the initial jobless claims that came in at 830 here. Yeah. It didn't really affect too much, but let's just talk about that. Uh, jo- initial jobless claims at 251,000 versus a 240,000 expected there. Um, SPY since 8.30, we could take a look at that. Uh, you can see right around here, you were already getting that little push there uh, from the ECB news. And then you got another little push there off of that number. Um, do you think this is, I mean, claims are going up, but it's not a massive change there, showing that the job market's still remaining a little bit strong there. The soft landing still talks that are out yeah, there. Yeah, right but now. we haven't brought inflation in whatsoever. So, I mean, That's we're at 9.1 last month, so commodity prices have come down a little bit, but, you know, some of this inflation is not coming in quickly. So, we're still, like, until we get inflation coming down and the jobs are still going well, then, you know, then talk to me about soft landing or not soft landing. But right now, we're still flying inflation here. Fed's plan is trying to work. It will eventually work. The question is, does it throw us into recession? I believe it does. But the, also, the question is, how much of that has been priced into the market? Quite a bit. So, again, I think the time 
to be completely 100% cash is past us. I do believe some of the 2022 lows are in in some of these stocks, not all of them. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe we're going to have a bad earnings season. Maybe we're going to get, you know, a, a recession, a hard recession. We're going to be in for years. Maybe they're not going to bring inflation down. Nobody's got a crystal ball to answer any of those questions. All we can do is use the information we currently have to make decisions. And we've sold off substantially on a lot of stocks. I feel like they've come down enough, you know, like a Disney I've been talking about for a long time. Disney, obviously, it was very early on this trade. Um, way too early, you know, I'd started buying at 130, about more at 120, about more like in the $100 area. I brought my cost basis down. I love the company. I still think long term, it's going to be okay. It's had a nice run, but dead wrong on this way too early. So I mean, it's it's a difficult market to, you know, predict five minutes out, let alone five days out or five weeks out or five months out. So if anybody says they got the answer on whether we're going in a recession or not, you know, I, I believe we're going to but nobody knows. Uh, Fed manufacturing index coming in worse than expected here at negative 12.3 versus a negative 2.5 expected. Uh, the reading last time was at 3.3, negative 3.3. Of course, anything below zero indicates contraction here in the factory sector growth. Um, so at least uh, the Fed, uh, Philly Fed manufacturing index definitely showing contraction. That's all above my pay grade. I'm not an economist. I'm just a, a stock trader. So I keep yes. it simple. You're seeing the reaction. That's all you need to know is the market seems to like these numbers here. We're up. Obviously, yep. we've had multiple headlines coming from Europe as well. So lots of drivers here today. But don't don't discount the Tesla driver here too. I mean, Tesla's still trading up 23 points. And it was mm -hmm. holding up the market despite you know, Carnival Cruise Line offerings, airlines getting destroyed, and the S&Ps were trying to hold up well. So you got some rotation here. Would not surprise me if, you know, it's going to be a value versus growth day type of deal here, which, you know, might be the case. But, you know, oil is getting hit really hard here this morning still. I'm just looking at my sectors overall. It's like a Christmas tree. I've got half green, half red. The stocks that are getting hit, home builders are trading down. I've got some of your defensive stocks trading down. I've got, obviously, some of the growth stocks trading higher. Arcus now went green. The semis, the chips have just been hot. Um, obviously, you know, we, we had, you know, we've had good moves in a lot of these chip stocks here. AMD's had a vicious move here. I mean, I'm almost green on this thing now because I bought more five days ago at 76. Are you selling? Are you keeping it? Oh, uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to hold on. No, I'm keeping, I'm keeping my AMD. <laughs> um, I've, I've actually, and I bought more Micron, I bought more AMD, I bought Marvell. Those were all good buys, but all my original buys on these stocks sucked. So, <laughs> so, you know, I got lucky maybe six, seven days ago to pick some up. They were retesting lows and I felt like the lows weren't going to get breached. So, you know, even Square, I think I'm up like Square is $74. I think about this is 63 four days ago. I'm talking about a stock of 17% in four days. You almost think like it gets to 80. You're going to make 20% in five days. How do you not take that in a bear market? But with that being said, some of these positions, I want more equity exposure because I feel like there is a short term bottom in. So if I'm still a buyer of dips, why am I going to be selling some of these stocks that even though they've had pretty good runs? All right. Looks like we're getting some tickers in the chat. Let's start getting a little ticker time going. We've got about six minutes left here. Let's dive in. WBD brought by Martine in the chat. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. This has been one that I tried to catch multiple times. And I thought I had it here when it went up there towards the 30s. And it could not hold there. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery down there towards 1446. Been a disaster. Epic disaster. 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 And I mean, this was 
Uh, well, you can see seventy-eight dollars. Oh my gosh, fourteen. I don't even want to talk about. It. There's there's so many better stocks to talk about. When a stock's that ugly, now you want your time. All right, let's go to another one here. Richard, paying attention to something I think that will be definitely important. Earnings coming up. Snapchat, right? Uh, it's after the bell today. Let's take yes. a look. Richard, good stock to mention there. Snapchat is going to dictate people don't believe it, but it will move the entire NASDAQ. And that, again, I'm going to give you the reasoning behind that is because it's your first stock that reports that is obviously heavy in online advertising, and it's going to move Google. So you'll see Snapchat, if their numbers, you know, and uh, showing weakness, then obviously Facebook, which I still call Facebook, Meta gets hit, and then it starts to spill over. But Google trades on Snapchat numbers as well. The simple reason, Snapchat reported after Google and Facebook, nobody would care about it. But because it reports right before them, everybody cares about it because it's kind of given us a hint. Nick, we know Snapchat numbers, when they logically think about it, have been affected significantly by TikTok. So, but they still use it as our first real indicator of coming into this earnings season on how is it looking. And for whatever reason, Snapchat, you know, a couple of traders at Bright Trading have always said, I cannot believe how much Snapchat moves the overall market. And it really does. And it's not because the company is a big player. It's because where it reports in the earnings season. Understanding these intricate relationships, understanding that it matters only because it reports before the big guns, you know, is a way for you to make money. So I'm going to be watching Snapchat very closely, seeing how they do, and trading Google, Meta, and um, obviously Pinterest. And we used to trade Twitter off it too, but Twitter is its own animal now with the whole saga with Elon Musk. But it, Google and uh, Meta will move on this. We'll keep watch to see what happens in those earnings. Those are after the bell today. Uh, let's keep watch. Uh, let's go towards this next one that's been strong lately. It's Chewy. I haven't looked at it for a while. I like uh, the chart. The online pet food store. It's come back a long ways from the lows. Again, this makes sense. I mean, you had everything just getting slaughtered in May, and we talked about, you know, back in May. I, know I was saying on May 12th, May 13th, it felt like capitulatory low. I know we've got a lot of people saying we haven't had capitulation. We absolutely had capitulation in the growth names, though. I mean, you know, there were some stocks that just were getting hammered every day. We talked about um you know square back in may going from a hundred dollars to seventy dollars in four trading sessions so that's not capitulation i don't know what is did make a new low the square on the move but arkk was the same thing they were just getting hammered hammered hammers you know it's slide and slide and then at the beginning of may or that second week of may they really started to hit all those growthy names and that's when they turned i mean zoom was the same thing it went from 100 to 80 bucks in four trading sessions it's a 20 percent fall in four trading sessions on it didn't even have news so those are capitulatory moves, and you haven't seen those capitulatory lows breached yet. On the overall market, I agree with Mark Chaikin. I don't think we never, I don't think we ever really saw overall capitulation on the overall market. Although you could argue, you could argue that that move right after the June jobs report there, um, which would have been the May jobs report, but the jobs report that was in June, was um, you know a little bit capitulatory because we were at when we got that CPI data, not jobs. I'm saying it's jobs, but it's, you're talking fast. I'm talking faster. I'm thinking. CPI data back in June, which was the May numbers, um, you saw the S&P go from 411 to SPY down to 360 in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven trading sessions. That's a 15% fall in the S&P in five trading sessions. That's a little bit capitulatory for the S&P, I would say. So I'd argue that maybe we did have capitulation in the SPY. Maybe we did have that. So everybody's looking for it still, but we kind of had it. Yeah, I think what they're pointing to more is uh, market breadth indicators. And so uh, we well, know Dennis doesn't, Dennis doesn't use January. those. 
Yet, but they know, didn't to, go to that. J.C. Peretz tweet yesterday, and it was yeah. a fantastic one. Brett's been actually improving. It I has. Mean, we had has. market breath just getting slaughtered. I think what you need to watch now is, and I'm watching it really closely, is if we can get over 50% for the SMA 50s. I know that you know some people don't pay attention to this, but this is what I'm I've been looking um, because it's going to give you a closer turn than the SMA 200. The SMA 200 is still pointing bearish. And that's going to take a long time. That's going to lag. Uh, but the SMA 50, that's going to be 50 days, right? That's going to be a little bit closer. Well, they the SMA lag. 50 this is, is doing pretty this, decent. I'm going to give a rant on moving averages here right now. And, and Joel will agree with me. This is why I don't use moving averages. Because they lag. The 200-day, you're waiting for that 200-day to start turning. You're missing the whole big rally. You just missed everything. So, I mean, I mean but it also around waiting for the 200-day to start turning up, you're sitting around and missed the whole damn rally just now. I mean, you missed the that. whole thing. But so, it also I mean, could have saved you some money on the downside. This is at least it's slags it on that the side too. You're not selling early. stocks till you're twenty percent off the highs. So I, I, think, I would disagree with Derek because when we were at the highs, there were a lot of people saying that the market was still strong, but the market breadth was pointing very bearish. That's what I would say because I was I was one of those people that was pointing out the market breadth when we were at the top. It was terrible at the top. It, it was only, it was only a few mentions, stocks. Probably because you listen to pre-market prep as well. Because <laughs> I think if anybody says that we were bullish going back in November, so, December, I was bearish too early. Again, I, I think, was early on the trade. How long was I bearish for when the market kept going up and I didn't get it? You know, But I'm still uh, all about the turns. I still think if mm-hmm. you're an active trader and you're leaning on moving averages, maybe if you're this long-term money manager, but the, they lag, man. You miss a lot of moves sitting here and waiting for moving averages to catch up so Agreed. i'm a trader i make my living doing this i don't have any other income you know a little bit from this show but it isn't much so i mean you know i literally make 98 percent of my money from my trading if i'm sitting around here waiting for moving averages i'm gonna miss so much potential trading opportunity so as a professional trader which i am licensed professional trader i got a job to do and it's to make money on a consistent trading basis and finding edges i find zero edges with moving averages because they lag too badly and joel will tell you the same thing he's been a professional trader since 1987 i think there are some traders that do well with moving averages and by all means if you're one of those that use moving averages and do well with it keep doing it mitch you love your moving averages you're making money with it Keep the, doing idea, it. the idea here is not making money with it. I think that's what some people try to make it. And that's not what the, it is. I think it's just no, more no, description. That's a ridiculous comment. Yeah, it's all about uh, making money. The whole point of the stock market is making money. But that's I mean, not what the, uh, the indicators are for, at least. Well, then I don't want them at all. If they're not going to make me any money, I don't need the indicators whatsoever. The whole that, point to trading is to make money. I understand that. I'm just saying that I don't think these indicators were necessarily made as entries and exits. So they're more more to look at longer term description um, and they can point to when the market's definitely showing some turn and giving you more confirmation than it is uh, than the other side. But I mean, you make your own confirmation, Dennis, because I think you're watching stocks on a daily basis. Let's say for someone that isn't watching the price action on a daily basis or the intraday action, um, a lot of them are going to be able to kind of just take an overall look at just looking at those numbers. But hey, to each his own, we'll see what happens there. Um, But I did want to point out that the SMA 50 is at 49.7. So that shows a little bit of a flip there that in the short run, 
yes, stocks are getting bullish, essentially. If it gets above the 50, stocks would be getting bullish on the 50, but still bearish on the 200 day. All right, let's get out of this. Let's go to another stock here. Let's take a three. We, we look at we just look we at just that quietly, quietly, quietly ate up all the time. It's a fun show though. Fun well, show today. Yeah, the rant. I like it when we get know. controversial like that. You know, I like the ranch is on the other side. It's what makes for good conversation, and then people can extract their own opinions. Controversy exactly. is fun, you know, and it's fun when you got a trader. And Mitch has been a fantastic trader for a long time too. It's fun when he's got you know using different indicators, and then I'll argue the indicators. But you know what works for you is what works for you. And Mitch, if it's working for you, keep doing it, buddy. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. Uh, it, it's th- there's. There's no, I wouldn't say edge there in moving average. So I 100% agree with what Dennis is saying there. Now I'd probably point to what technical analysts would say and that using it as uh, multiple variables can give you some edge. But hey, to each his own, we'll see what happens there. You guys can figure out ways and processes that you guys trade. And one thing that's for certain is nothing that's 100%. If it was 100%, I would do it. And I think everybody Dennis would, would do be doing too. trades if they were 100%. I take all trades that are 100%. So many arbitrage yeah. is almost 100%. Set me up for those trades because we I trade all, take we take all trades that are 100%. If I have 100% confident on something, you know, people say I'm going to buy it, I buy it all. If I was one, if it was 100% true, I'd buy everything I possibly could mortgage the house and everything on it. But it's never the case. Trading is never 100%. Yeah, I'll try to stick, you know, to presentations. But I, I mean, I feel like I do some good technicals. Also, I've caught a, a lot of good moves and uh, kind of put a lot of big warning signs that have, I think, at least saved investors tons of money. So Mitch I'm going to continue been, doing what Mitch I'm doing. Mitch is very good at finding, you know, story stocks, too. And I mean, think, keep go back to your grassroots, you know, where, you know, you came to Benzinga with, you know, the what's the next hot story? And, and the next hot story worked really well in 2020, 21, 21, because I think this stock didn't do too bad. Bad. Oh, I know. From we're not. We're not, we're not to, cutting up, Mitch. Cutting up. No, I just want to kind of point there that technicals, you know, sometimes they're going to give you an advantage. Sometimes they're not. That's that's just the way trading is. But I don't think you game. were so much technicals on workhorse when you were that. You were on the story that there is a story to come here. Like nobody's paying attention to this, and this EV story is going to get hot. And the whole EV story got hot, and that brought up everything, yep. including some of the names that maybe shouldn't have been brought up. I would have never thought Workhorse. You know, you originally were mentioning that at three dollars. Um, you know, and I was like, oh, I kind of like it, and it was starting to show some life. You know, and obviously we participated in the move as well. I would have never thought it could get to forty-two. I couldn't uh, jaw dropping. To see how high that came, and it's come back full circle here now. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know they didn't ever get that contract. I don't think that, and, uh, but it's come back, you know, all the way. Is there eventually, you know, another story here on some of these names? Some of these names could get some life again, but just shows you how crazy it got in 2021. That chart encompasses what the market was so much, and it's back there, baby. So we'll see what happens. I saw some mentions of workhorse in the chat. A lot of people are talking about potential talks again about postal contracts uh with workhorse we'll see what happens like always uh that that was a multi it, it was a combination Fubo and workhorse were your calls and i did well on both of those too those were fantastic calls mitch i mean fubo I mean, was one Lucid of yours also, i'd never even heard of fubo you had it three days after it i had out. i had i had uh oh uh what overstock? I mean, there's there's still so, so many. And then what I like more is not calling stocks to the upside, but more long calling warnings that I see red flags out there because I feel like saving people money or at least putting the idea out there that there's some danger here is more important than kind of making money. But that's just the way I feel. Capital preservation, 
over rewards. We'll see what happens. Dennis, I'll let you get on out of here. Have okay. a great trading day. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow. See you guys. All right, we're going to wrap on up. We'll bring you guys over to live trading. We also have a great show for you on live trading. We're going to do our live trading normal session. And after 11, we're going to transition over to special interview on HGTM. Yes, I said it. Guys, check that on out. That'll be coming up on live trading just next. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.